Welcome to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast, where your hosts, Dr. Peter Bolden and Dr. Craig Spodak, help you go next level with your practice, leveraging the four pillars that make a practice bulletproof. Vision, building a dream team, marketing ninja, and financial freedom. Now, let's get into it. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. Today, we have an esteemed guest that needs no introduction in dentistry, Vicki McManus. Vicki, I know you've been in dentistry, gosh, I don't, don't want to date you by any means, but ever <laughs> since, I, I've known you since practically day one of my career, and you were, uh, you were full bore back then. So how long have you been, how long have you been in this space? Um, I started dentistry in 1979. Nice. So. I probably started dentistry before most of your listeners were born. <laughs> I started dentistry uh, when, when, but you must, but look at you, you're living right. That's, that's hard yeah. to believe. You're just well, I was, I was she started seven, when she was three. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was 17. I was a dental assistant going to hygiene school. And here's really cool. I started when advertising and dentistry was illegal. It was against the law. Uh, you know what? I kind of was coming out of the era of that. And, um, yeah. It was yeah, very I, I, it was, it's crazy. Um, but anyway, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. We're, 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 we've been looking forward to having you on for a while. We had your partner on, Bruce Baird, and um, he's always just a wealth of knowledge and definitely one of the legends. So, um, but you are as well. So you guys are you guys are a powerful duo. That's for sure. We have a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. The um, the direction I think we should take this and just cause you have so much experience and so much data from so many practices and just helping a lot of practices in their marketing and becoming sustainable over time. And so I really want to kind of, you know, distill down what you've learned in your experience and, and the wins and failures of some of your clients. So okay. we, we haven't discussed the marketing aspect specifically. So if you could kind of just start laying down some of your pearls, I think you mentioned before we hit record, like, so you have some, like a top three kind of, kind of things that to focus on maybe yep. that was my imagination hey, hey, Vicky, i just have a quick quick question sorry pete vicky how long you how long have you been with bruce baird how long have you guys been partners bruce how long and has pda I've been around since 2004 we partnered up and so he wanted to do a, a program on productivity for doctors only and he did one program and the doctors went whoa okay you got my head on straight now can you teach my team so yeah. i came in that was after i moved from atlanta to the Pacific Northwest. And so I went down to Dallas and sat in on that program, developed the team program, and then swore I would never be a consultant again uh, because I moved three hours away from an airport. <laughs> um, it was easier when I was in Atlanta. So that's how it began. And we just became member built and driven. So we only, we didn't, we didn't create a seminar to feed a consulting group. I had actually retired when I moved out uh, to the Seattle area. And we just kept meeting people where their needs were. And we say that we're member built. So they ask, we create a solution. And from there, we grew the coaching division, we grew the ad agency, everything just sprung up probably a lot like you guys just out there helping people. Mm -hmm. I like that you didn't have a seminar to fill the consulting firm because that seems like yeah. what everybody's doing. It's so <laughs> annoying. It's like you, yeah. you pay you pay for an eight hour seminar just to be sold like the real stuff. It's just so annoying. But that's yeah, awesome. yeah. <laughs> we always say the best part about PDA is we don't hold anything back. The worst part about PDA is we don't hold anything back. <laughs> yeah. They don't need to buy anything when you're done. Yeah, like I just went to that seminar. I got it all. Yeah, I don't need hand holding. Fire hosed. You are fire hosed. <laughs> 
I dig dig that though, especially in the era of more transparency and just authenticity. I feel like we're in, um, you know, when people get pitched, they know it. And, and I, and there's nothing more frustrating, like Craig is saying for to attend a a giant sales funnel all day long. Um, And and we might have, I think we have three or four educational partners at our conferences and they're real companies that have real products that we really use. I had a network of six offices in Wisconsin for a while. So I had a, a nice little test kitchen there, my own little DSO. So Bruce had a solo practice with multiple doctors. I had associate only, non-owner doctor driven practices. Uh, so imagine, I, I must love the hard things in life, right? So I am- Yeah, that's a hard one. I'm 2000 miles away from my practices and they're all run by associate non-owner doctors and my retirement is dependent on their ability to produce and my team's ability to collect and no one embezzle me while I'm not there. (laughs) And also make sure the dentistry is exceptional as well, which is the hard part being that you're, you know, when you're a dentist that owns a practice, at least you have an easier route to kind of correct people on the quality of dentistry. But if you're, you know, with all due respect, you're dual degree trained, but you're still, you know, not a dentist and dentists have a hard time listening to non-dentists about what they should and shouldn't be doing. Which is why I had a dentist. dentist even. Yep. Yep. Yeah, yeah. It's hard enough to tell them. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> that, that's, um, that's a whole different podcast, but yeah. yeah that's that's episode two. That's episode that's, two. That's why I have such um, compassion for the owners and why maybe it seems really authentic when I talk about marketing and I talk about systems because I had to build for me. I can't, I can't tell you to do one thing and then I'm doing something else. Right. right? So you just got to walk that talk. So going back to kind of my, my blurred intro there, let's let it, let's do find out what some of the, what you think the pearls of marketing are just from your experience. I think for the most part, the biggest mistake I see dentists make is they get caught up in the sizzle of marketing and they, I think it's like a pendulum. Most things in marketing are pretty boring, pretty predictable and pretty measured. So if you can just accept that I need to have a marketing plan and it's going to be tick tock, tick tock. Um, And so Bruce and I teach that you budget 8% for marketing. Ah, I knew you were going to say that. Yeah, we both, I I was on mute because of (laughs) the noise here, but I said, wow, 8%. I know. You can't just say that across the board though, Vicki. You you can't do that. No, you can't. Because there's a structure to it. There's All right. Let's, Craig, let's your, your marketing budget would be about $8 trillion. I'm just kidding. Yeah, well, <laughs> no. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I, let's, let's unpack uh, that for us, Vicki. Come let's on. Un- 8%. Let's wow. So the average dentist spends less than 1%, and they sign up for every DSO on the planet. So really, their marketing budget is like 20, 30%. Every PPO, you right? Every PPO. Every yeah. PPO, yeah. not the yeah, yeah, yeah. PPO right? So they, they have a 20 to 30% marketing budget. Okay. Okay. I see what right? you're, where you're going so now. Eight, eight seems cheap compared to that. So here's what happens. Okay. If you're at that zero to 1% and we, we market from the inside out. So the first thing I have to make sure is that I've got world-class customer service in my practice, ready to receive the guest when I turn on the marketing funnel. So maybe, I, maybe I've got to spend one, two, three, four, five percent 
just to get my team trained. Okay. You know, there's nothing worse than going to a hotel and getting that warm chocolate chip cookie, but you're not greeted, your billing is wrong, and somebody spilled coffee on you. I don't give a crap about your chocolate chip cookie and your chapsticks and your spa experience. You know, so marketing is everything. So our systems, the way we answer the phone, the way we do the handoffs, our case presentation, our diagnostic skills, the patient finance, all of that has to happen for the sale to close. Okay, so maybe you've got a 5% team training budget in year one and a 3%, you go from 1% to 3% on advertising. Now the team's trained, you don't need as much, you shift those dollars, now we've got 4% going to marketing, 5% going to marketing, two to one to three for the team training. And so that cycle goes. Every time you go to a new clinical class, there needs to be time and, and money dedicated to training the team. Okay, Otherwise, I see how I see where you're coming from with that. Okay, so now Bruce is at this level where his team is trained and he's truly spending 8% on his marketing. So when does a doctor need to really spend that much, you know, a trillion dollars in Craig's case on marketing? The typical marketing that most doctors do is designed to bring in patients between a three and five mile radius of the practice, mm-hmm. right? Or is it just go five miles out and there you go. Well, if Bruce had done that in Granbury, he would have done an implant on every man, woman, child, and dog <laughs> in Granbury, right? So 80% of his patients drive more than 50 miles to see him. So he has to, now we get into multimedia and we're pulling that out. So if you're spending six, seven, eight, nine percent on marketing, it's because you're engaging multimedia. You're in radio, you're in TV, you're in billboards. We're layering those marketing plans. So we, we have really. And y'all think that that, um, are you guys still advocates of that, of those, the multimedia aspect? Yeah. Yeah. It depends on what you're doing. If you want to get on, a, if you want to spend eight thousand a month on a radio ad and say, "Hey, come sign up for our ninety-nine dollar, fifty-nine dollar cleaning special," well, you're going to lose money. It's but just you, you're right. I think it has everything to do with you can't just make blanket statements anymore because in Granbury radio is probably still popular. It, I might if I'm going to get do a radio spot in Atlanta, I might as well take that five thousand dollars and light it on fire. He's well, in, also $5,000 in Atlanta, you won't even get like a millisecond. Well, but um, my point is it, it, it context is everything. You know, the, or, you know, so let's the, put some context around it. He's, his radio is running in Dallas-Fort Worth. Okay. Radio That's crazy. Dallas-Fort Worth. And so our strategy, it, it's, it's for Bruce. I'll just give you Bruce's strategy because this won't work for everybody. Right. But it works for him. So we're on AM radio not FM. Yep. And, and we, we have a spokesperson model. So Dave Ramsey, uh, right. Uh, okay. He's, he's done several different celebrities. He's been with Dave Ramsey. First year with Dave Ramsey, zero. Second year, a little bit. Third year, fantastic. Fourth year, his, he's probably at 27 to one ROI. Wow. Five, eight to 10,000. Four years to get there. But, you know, yeah, that's that's really, yeah, about marketing. Cool. So that's marketing is patience. It's, you've got to be. It's patience, but you also need to know when to kill, you know, when to kill the dog, right? Like some, so it's like, I hear you saying like, oh, it took four years to really get awesome returns, but gosh, wouldn't it suck to have the same results at year four that you did at year one? 
And, right. and some people are just like, well, I'll just keep staying in the game. Just keep staying no, in the game. No, no, no. You know, so that, that is one of the hard things is, is really knowing. Well, we have a- ironically, all the salespeople in marketing will sell you on that. Oh, you got to give it a longer runway. No, 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 no. You've got to know, you've got to work with somebody who does true return on investment. Mm-hmm. So we, we track true ROI. And this will be the pearl that I give your doctors. You get hosed because you believe the shiny sales pitch. And the shiny sales pitch is 50 click-throughs a month, mm-hmm. 11, you know, we guarantee 100 new patient touches, you know, and that word touches, like what the hell is a touch? I don't want 50 new patient touches. Sounds like something you can get sued for. My I, I, want, I want 50 people in my chair. So we don't, we don't even measure that. A lot of marketing companies will say um, our generalized ROI is blah, blah, blah. So what they're doing is they're taking relative value. That's a marketing term you guys should know. If you hear a marketing group say, we're going to get you tw- 10 new patients and the relative value is 2,500. Therefore you should produce 25,000. That's how they're doing their ROI is, Hey, we got you 10. So that's like 25,000 to your practice. Well, that's not true. You don't know what happened to those 10 patients. So that's why you've got to get your team set. So you know, what's my case acceptance? Who rescheduled? Who followed up on that? What's my blah, blah, right? Yeah, and there's, there's, no, there's no worse thing than having a wide open funnel of new patients with a right. massive or equal size hole in the hull of the boat. boat. Yeah. You know, marketers will tell you, oh, we'll get you these click-throughs, we'll get you these you know, new patient calls, but if you can't convert and if, you're, if your culture and your systems and your customer service is not spot on, don't waste your first dollar in marketing. You're just yeah. literally burning it. The other yeah. thing too, Vicki, is that it used to be that you, you had, you know, there's frequency and reach. Yes. So it used to be that you had to hear a message maybe seven to nine times before a customer would convert. Right. Now those numbers are staggering. Are you aware of what the latest research is showing as far as how many times the frequency is now or the frequency to get someone to convert? You know, I don't know, but I do know that, um, like, we resisted a long time. Like you guys know, I've got my own ad agency. We don't put it out there to the public. Anybody can use our agency, that's for sure, but we don't advertise a lot for our advertising because we're so full of just taking care of our clients. And you don't believe in advertising. And we don't believe, no. (laughs) (laughs) But, um, you know, when pay-per-click first started and retargeting, was going on, I just thought that is the slimiest thing I've ever seen. You know, I, I look for a chair and suddenly chairs are everywhere. But um, dental marketing is really embracing that now. So I think pay-per-click campaigns, layered direct mail still works really well in some areas, not well at all in others. In my dental practices, I had three within a 15-minute span. For one dental practice, direct mail was off the hook. We would get 50 new patients a month from the direct mail mailer. 10 minutes away, we've got 15 new patients from that direct mailer. And another 15 minutes away, we got three. So it, it really can change that much. So I think you do probably still have to have at least 10 or 11 touches and in a short time, I think that's the other waste is they'll dump 40,000 flyers when they're opening their practice and then nothing else, right? Mm-hmm. So young scratch start guys, they do this big grand opening, spend all my money on a one-time mailer and it doesn't work. You've got to have the follow-up follow-up. So I think pay-per-click is probably the least expensive, most effective 
way to, to reach a broad audience today. I don't know what you're doing, Peter, or, or how that works for your audience. I, um, from a cost perspective, you said the most underpriced, uh, Yes, I, I would agree. I'm a, I am a big fan of of certain campaigns. I don't think it's the most underpriced. If we if we talk about attention, right, and then getting someone's attention in order to convert, I, I think it's it's close to being, especially kind of on Facebook and some of the platforms, the networks. But I am a big fan of of I think the most underpriced attention is actually influencers that may come into our practice. Yes. And also that, that statistic about frequency, by the way, is up at 20 now. It used to be seven to nine, it's 20. I mean, yeah. look, we have minion stickers on bananas and everything's marketed, so it's incredible. You I'm going to take minions. that as my pearl. Thank yeah. you. Craig. I do. I'm going to tell my team, up it from 11 to 20. Thank you. So 20, okay, yeah. So, all right, so what, what, other, what other advice have you uh, – have you gleaned from all Well, of you know, it's pretty old-fashioned, and, and I'm going to preference it with state practice acts, but uh, word of mouth and patient mm-hmm. referrals, that's still the best. And you were talking about influencers. We've had some really creative clients where they will incentivize the moms that are at every soccer game and school function and this and that. They set up yep. a little table, and they're just bringing people in left and right. So I think there are a lot of, a lot of patients in your practice that really want to help promote your practice. And so the statistic I would give your listeners, if they, to know that your internal referral system is working, your recommendation, your raving fan, we call it the raving fan program. um, We want at least 10% of the patient base referring at any given time. So the way to find that is you just run the report and see how many patient visits you had in hygiene. Mm-hmm. So if I had uh, 200 hygiene visits, I would expect at least 20 referrals. And then I would work with my team to optimize that up to 20%. So you could double your new patient flow by having the team focus on raving fans and, and really measuring each month. Okay, I had 200 hygiene visits. Did I have 20 to 40 re- new patient referrals? And what I love about tracking that is there's a twofold benefit for the owner. Number one, you're getting new patients that are warmed up and they know something about you. But number two, it really um, holds your team accountable for the systems and the customer service, right? Because mm. they're not going to feel good about asking for the referral if they don't feel good about your dentistry and they don't feel good about the way we're serving the patients. Right. So if my raving fan number's high, I know the team's in a good place. Uh, let me pivot on that. What do you think is the maximum, or I should say the optimum number of new patients required per, per doctor hygienist combo? Oh, good question, Peter. I'm happy you said that. I'm really happy you said that. I'll, I'll be here all day. It depends on your service mix. That's what I'm going to say. All right. so, if you well, had Bruce Baird, you need four a new month. You, I mean, exactly. you need four patients. A month. Right. But so let's hit middle of the road. Yeah. Know. Well, let's take Bruce's practice, right? No, so don't take well, Bruce. Let's not. Don't, Bruce don't is a unicorn. Yeah. He's yeah got, Bruce is a total no, he's unicorn. Got, he's got three doctors in his practice. No, he's got two, but he has such a wide surface mix right now. He's well, the full yeah. mouth. He has two, right? Him and another guy. No. And a third, a third brand new out of school associate. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, she so gets, the, average, the average dentist, how many new patients per month? I'd love to hear that. The average, so the average dentist in my mind has a practice doing 700 grand a year. Yes. 
And that doctor's doing about 400 an hour, Mm -hmm. which is about 3,200 a day. So my brain tells me that's, you know, two and a half crowns, a couple of buildups. So Jesus, I'd I'd want five new patients a day on that schedule because there's plenty of room. No way. (laughs) But here's the thing. That average doctor can probably only handle one new patient slot a day because of how they're average because of how they've set up the place, right? So, oh, there's so many factors. I'm going to say one doctor needs a minimum of 35 new patients a month. Wow, much higher than what I was thinking. I was was going to, mine was 20. Mine was 15 to 20. Well, that's because you talk to 15 people and 15 people reschedule. Mm. But you're not also not producing 400 an hour, right? So if you're producing in that range, it's a great place to start. Your head's above water. But to get above that, you've got to have those 15 people. That's a lot of pressure, right? 15 so, in, 15 say yes. So, so let's so- just say, let's say it's 35, right? And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pivot that's again. Two a day. That's two a day. All right. So, and one going into hygiene a day. How do you feel about an approach from a marketing perspective from a reverse engineering, right? Let's say I have three doctors in my practice. We all need to be busy. I'm just making a hypothetical. We need 100 new patients a month. We need to try things until we get to that number. And you're still wanting to deploy 8% when you've kind of figured out your sauce? Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, her 8%, Peter, is not just, you know, on direct marketing. She's including the training. So yeah, but at some point they're trained, right? So that's, that's a diminishing. Well, well, to her point, she said, if the doctor takes on a new skill set, she wants to shut the office down and talk to them about, you know, what they're doing. Like, so yeah. if one of your doctors becomes LANAT trained or Invisalign certified in Vicky's mind, from what I'm understanding, correct me if I'm wrong, is that you would stop the practice and say to the team for a couple hours about that new service. So your qualification of certain services get put into the marketing budget, whereas other people, it may be a different P&L line item. Yeah, and I mean it's it's still broken out. Continuing education. Yeah, I shouldn't have said P and L, but I mean kind of your 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 all inclusive quote unquote marketing budget includes internal processes. Right, and so in the beginning, in the beginning, so in that first, and so let's break this down. If I'm going from zero to a million dollars, right? If I'm a scratch start. I'm going to spend 40 grand that first year Mm -hmm. because it's all about volume until I get to that magic number of 1200. When I'm at 1200, now I know I can have one full-time hygienist and I'm probably going to think that I maybe need a second hygienist or some assisted hygiene going on. So zero to 1200 is critical on a scratch start. Uh, This is why marketing is so difficult to talk about in broad strokes. Once you get to the million dollar range, then then your marketing plan shifts from a million to a million five, a million eight. Then there's a whole different tier for those practices above two million. Right. So what we do is we really just say, what do you want? And I guarantee you that nine times out of 10, in order to grow a practice, we actually slow it down. I don't think it's- I agree with that. I agree with that. I've seen that in my own practice. I've seen massive volume cost us money. So what, you know, with dental Intel and other dental metric softwares, we have the ability to see, um, (laughs) no, 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 we, no, but quantity, I mean, quality. Yeah. But 
so we i've seen my practice shoot through like this point where it was rising volume and rising um um, um dollar per average yes. patients and yes. then it, it went the other way so then volume went think? higher and then the amount of uh, revenue yeah. per patient went down and that sucks it sucks mm -hmm. to work harder not smarter that really sucks and so every business does that every business yeah. you hit that second inflection point we're doing more decreases your bottom line mm -hmm. and yes. so that's and for us then that's where the scheduling template changes well and that's I, also when a doctor's got to really look at his insurance participation right i have a friend of mine remain nameless he works with me part-time he's a specialist and he's on <laughs> <laughs> he's on every he's uh he's on every plan in his office and he's so damn busy that he has to say no to so many people Right. And like some of the specialty fees, maybe 30 to 50% less. I'm like, bro, you've got to clip those people. And, and, you know, I'm at, you know, looking at that as well. So having a really strategic look at your insurance participation is key yep. because insurance is a weed. It will grow no matter what you do. You're trying right. to grow tomatoes. You're a tomato farmer. <laughs> you have to pull the weeds and left alone, the weeds will take over the tomatoes. So yeah. insurance practices tend to grow. Insurance is fine as a spigot to turn on, to get the pump prime, to get things moving. But if right. you don't do anything about it, the insurance will grow really fast and will clip your fee-for-service portion of your practice. So yeah. even if you are fee-for-service and insurance or hybridized Great practice, advice. rather, you have to make sure that you intentionally set blocks in your schedule for those fee-for-service patients. Because fee-for-service patients won't wait two and three months. No. But a Delta patient will probably work because they have to choose between dental land and your practice. They're gonna, and you need to revisit compelling. that, like you're saying, Craig. Get to a certain metric and then say, okay, who's next on the chopping block? Kind of like you do with yeah. like good debt and bad debt in your life. Like, okay, what debt? But like, the problem is insurance, insurance, insurance trains the provider to be to be lazy because patients show up just because you're in the goddamn book. So all of a sudden, like you, you don't have well, to actually, turn on. You know, the, that's not true because the insurance companies don't even send out a book anymore. Well, you know what I'm saying? Like right. being on, if you're on 20 plans, if you're unless you know, and if you're doing things moderately decently right. or moderately well, you're going to grow a practice. The right. problem is, is that patients just show up and you don't, you've got to, because I've, I've gone through these permutations. I had two doctors working with me and they were like, we can't do comprehensive dentistry because it's just too busy. I'm seeing 30, 40 new patients a month. I can't do it. I'm like, okay, I will chop. I won't go at a network, but I'll chop the amount of new patients that you see. So right. people started waiting three and four and five months but you have to turn your skills up because if you're going to see less people, you have to do more comprehensive work. What happened in this experiment? Volume went down by 30%. Revenue went down by 35 because you, they didn't change the way they approached the bat. You're just swinging the same way. You've got to change your practice. Mm -hmm. If you see less people, you've got to change the way you do things. Which so insurance trains us as well as we train the patients. And so moral story is don't do that again and to hire, no. another, to hire another dentist to fill in that. Um, exactly. Exactly. Oh, you don't want to see 30 new patients? No problem. Dr. Junior wants to see those. Yeah. yeah and we've done, I've done all of that. I've done all of that. And God, I made so many freaking mistakes, people. It's crazy. <laughs> Finally, the Bulletproof Practice Book is out on Amazon. Craig and I have distilled down our experiences in dentistry over the past 20 years in our true to form unfiltered fashion that y'all have come to expect from our podcast. 
We talk about our victories and our bruises, and it's 132 pages of vision, leadership, marketing, and even just life as a dentist, and it's meant to entertain you. So we hope you'll support us and grab a copy on Amazon today. Thanks, friends. You know, it's funny, Vic. Yeah, you know, I, I'm sorry I keep harping on the 8%, um, but like- It's blown your mind, hasn't it? I, it really has. It, because Greg and I, well, I personally, I, I get a lot of strategic pride from trying to lower that expenditure, but yet the same outcome. Because I think well, it- hmm? And, and yeah. so what you're doing is you're investing your time or your, how do you, how do you do that? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, you're right. There is, there is a lot of time there. So if you, if you quantified that and put it into what I could be kind of chair side, then yeah, maybe I'm back at 8%. <laughs> but well, I, well, I, I, I'm just, I'm stuck on the advertising as a category. Cause I don't, when I hear like glossy magazine ads or pay-per-click, I think that is, is, is yesterday. I think, I think, I mean, I'm going to go so far to say is I believe that traditional advertising is totally dead. I really do. How many new patients? I really, really do. And and also, by the way, everybody that wants to talk to me or Peter, the first question out of their mouth is I want to pick your brain about your advertising, your marketing. And they really don't know what they're saying because it's not marketing. We're not, I mean, at least I'm not, you know, billboards, radio, TV, magazines. I used to be, but I'm not anymore. But if right. you tell me there's a way to get, you know, 50 Google reviews or make more compelling reasons to check in on Facebook, I am all about that. Right. So let's go through that just a little bit because like truly when we set it up, we, we take the history, what has worked, what hasn't worked in your area. So you're very specific in your market and your demographic and no one's going to be a bigger expert at that than you are, Craig, because you've been there and you've done it. So we intake on what have you tried, what worked, what didn't work, what will you never spend money again on, right? Because there's a ton of media. Then we take the service mix. Are you doing sleep apnea, implants, CRX, same day smiles? Are you bread and butter? Are you, who are you targeting, right? Because that's going to change your media mix, right? That changes your media mix a little bit. If you're not doing those uh, high-end, you know, so for the guys that we're doing high-budget multimedia things for, it works because we're marketing to train wrecks. You know, we're marketing to that guy who's sitting up with insomnia because his sleep apnea is so bad he can't sleep, right? And so when you're marketing to train wrecks, so I think for me, it's just a little too big to have a global statement that glossy magazines and billboards and radio don't work. They work when you understand the demographics. So we do a lot of, uh, we use Esri and we go into, we're an agency. So we, we have deep demographics and we can mirror the lifestyle values of that person with your service mix, with, yeah. the, with the outcome. And that's where- Can, it's I, can I tell you where- can I tell you where my, my hallucination, this is just my belief and I shoot riddle this with whole bullet holes if you, if you care to, but I just believe that the idea that you can prepackage a message and disseminate it to an engaged public that says, Oh, I want that. That's really hard now. Hmm. There's so much messaging. There's so much media that this idea right. and the, the attention span is so low. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, 20 years ago, you could be like, Hey, do you have restless leg syndrome? Well, ask your doctor about blah, blah, blah. Or, you know, do you want to live like this and get this? 
I just think that is getting really hard now to do that. That's my, that's my concern. Yeah, but it, Vicky's right. It depends on where you live, depends on the services you're offering because sleep apnea billboards may work awesome. You know, sleep apnea right. radio ads may work great. So, you know, I guess, yeah. I guess when you get specific with what services you're trying to, you know. Yeah, I'm thinking niche, globally, like we're the best out. dentist. Right. Yeah. Well, but, globally, everybody's got to protect their practice. There's an offense and a defense to marketing, right? So if you don't have 50 Google reviews, that's like your moat. That's like the minimum. I got to have 50 five-star reviews and I've got to be building that because Google's going to slash off the old ones, right? So if you're not in the three-pack on the map, you don't exist. So we, we, we throw everything at what is it going to take for you to be on that three-pack? Well, to be on Google's three pack on the map, you got to do what Google likes. So you're going to advertise with Google pay-per-click. You're going to be on YouTube and there's so many cool hidden things. You guys go back to your marketing people. I know you guys are already doing this, but in the transcripts and I am my marketing people. Ah, all right, Peter. So tell me this if it still works. And Peter's my marketing people. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the close I just don't pay him for it. <laughs> In the closed captioning piece. Yes. And in I'm the, not joking, by the way. But. In the closed caption and in the transcripts, are you, are you editing those out? Of course, or, he transcribes everything, right? You have to transcribe everything. But you're transcribing and cleaning it up for your geotags and your keywords. Well, that's two different things. One, you mean you're transcribing so that people can watch videos at work? Yes. Meaning subtitling. But are you saying actually doing, so I'm actually putting subtitles in the video so you can watch, but you're saying transcribing from an SEO standpoint? To index yeah. it into the meta tags. I mean, Google's already doing that, by the way. It, it, but organically. Not, if you're, not if your transcript comes out in pig Latin and everything's- Well, not, you don't even have to, I mean- Anyway, not a bad idea. I like that. I like it. I mean, it's already being tra- uh, subtitled. So how hard is it for the no, it's video super, guy? To it's just- actually done automatically in the YouTube format. This is my point. So if, yes. if they're doing it for you automatically, you I'm really don't think that it's already it. baked in their algorithm? I really? don't think so. What it, it is, is, I'm not, I'm saying this rhetorically. It is. It is. Oh, wait, wait, wait. So wait, you're wait. saying if you subtitle your video, it's already baked into your index? It's the uh, meta description no, or the no, description of the video? No. Go and you upload a YouTube video, Craig. I know, I know this may be, this, this is. Okay. And what is this uploading you, you speak of, by the way? Give, <laughs> what is this? I know what, what downloading is. is. What is this? I know, yeah. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'm going to put that on my MySpace tonight and check it out. Everybody else. Check it out. And then look at the closed captioning part. Um, yeah. So I thought you were talking about sub- subtitling, Vicky, because that's a, from an aspect of, you know, most, most content is consumed when people can't actually listen. Right. Right. So that's a Gary Vism that I picked up that is you subtitle everything because then it allows people to just kind of watch it work, which is what they're doing. Yes. Uh, but for the SEO value, when you're throwing those videos in your site, like every month you're going to be updating something on your website, which I know this is organic. Yeah. This so oh God, but, we could unpack a whole lot of this. SEO is kind of dead too. Just gonna, I know it's, it, it is and it isn't. It is you and can't it isn't. spamify it anymore. Um, yes, they have to have something to pick up content. God, Vicky, we could really, we could do it. I'm not talking black hat. I'm not talking I remember that. You could put like the whole, your whole meta description of like, uh, you know, Atlanta's finest Invisalign Botox cosmetic dentistry. Bucket. Uh, cut and paste, cut and paste a thousand times. Oh, that was awful. No, 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 no. I'm just saying look at what Google is picking up and make sure it's clean. 
So they are transcribing it anyway, but what we, what it picks up from your video may come out as something totally different in that. I see. Okay. Make sure you're auditing what they're doing. Got it. Cleaning it. Got it. Yeah. We're getting way too. Have you guys ever talked, been talking about something to a friend with your phone in your pocket and then all of a sudden the surfboard that you were talking about, you start getting surfboard ads. That's so freaky. So that I've never had that happen before, dude, I'm telling you, it's it crazy. Happens. It's crazy. It happens. So you're saying you're on, you're on a cell call. Yes. No, no. Tell no. me, what are you saying? Your phone, your phone literally, you know, it, maybe this is a little bit conspiracy, but you, you have an organic conversation with another human. If your phone is nearby, then all of a sudden, you know, you're talking about catnip, 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 catnip. And you just mentioning catnip and all of a sudden you'll start getting ads for catnip. You know what? I've never noticed that before. I'm telling you, dude, it's for for real. Look at this. I have an ad of a cat surfing on a surfboard. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, wow. It's it's happening fast. I just got an ad for MySpace too. It's incredible. I, I, um, so here's, here's something I'm just gonna give you, you know, mentioned that I was with Mark recently and we'll kind of, we'll kind of, um, we won't keep you much longer after this, Vicky. But <laughs> so I was with Mark and we were on a balcony and we were talking about a guy who I'm actually going to visit next month um, in a month out in California at a DEO conference and, and, well, a DEO kind of group. And his name is Richard Evangelista. Right. And do you know him? No, I know of him. I mean, I've been on the phone with him and he is definitely a stud. I can't wait to really hang out with him in person. He's got 40 practices, Craig. He's the principal in, in them all. Guess how much he spends on advertising? 1%. Less than 1%. Wow. So, and here's what he does, which I really liked. Um, he just makes sure that his whole team, like his, basically the culture of his practice is everyone gets asked, hey, is there someone in your life? Like it's mandatory that if you're within like three feet and, you know, I'm kind of paraphrasing what Mark told me, but it's just they relying on the social network, quote unquote, to to fill the practice. And obviously from a, from an expense standpoint and referencing a PNL, that's important at a group of 40 practices because you know, we talk about EBITDA a lot because that, that 7% that he potentially is saving is going right to his multiple of whatever it is. Right. So it makes his practice almost practice group, almost twice as valuable by shedding that 7%. But to Vicky's math and her earlier point, that level of training. The oh, team for sure. That system, right. He that, had a that's, huge that's investment. Cost, I, yeah, I guess what I'm trying to say, I totally agree with Vicky. In the beginning, well, there's certain points. Let me just put this out there too. What we look at when we say 8%, we look at two things. Um, the team overhead. Mm-hmm. Like, so in that, you asked me about the average practice and what they should be doing. The average practice, their staff overhead is 33 to 38%. Right? Right. So, Increase that's your the, that's the average overhead it's percentage. Crazy, yeah, thirty-three, thirty-three to 38%. That's including all benefits, all employment right. costs, correct? Right, but wow. most of us don't know it because their PLs are jacked up and their alphabet. Right. Yeah. So payroll will be here, and insurance will be there, and uniforms are here, and workers' comp is it. But when you put it all together, you know they're in that thirty percent range. So. Wow. the marketing to the point that you drive down your staff overhead below that 25%. So just look at team overhead, labor, look at labor and marketing together. Tie wow. those two pieces together. Okay. And then, and, and it's a whole different ball of wax. There's a whole different economy of scale. 
in group practice versus solo. For sure. Just to clarify, we're starting out on a solo track, morphing into group. I, I didn't spend 8% in my group, you know, and most of our doctors really get up to about 4% on their spend. Okay. So no, I know. And I'm kind of, I'm kind of hinging on that 8% a lot because all I, about it's illustrating. I'm not trying to beat you up. I'm not. I just, I love for our listeners to hear different points of views and perspectives because, you know, so many people, honestly, they could get on podcasts and it's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's so, they're so boring to listen to. And it's just very, it's not, it's not this real conversation. Starting. It's not real life, right? Like we would be having this conversation real life. Right. And so I just, I just dig it, you know, back to the authenticity. I think this word inerrant authentic, you know, being authentic and, and this would be a real conversation. So I wanted to really kind of just unpack it with you. Can uh, I just well, share with you my an acronym for EBITDA? What? What is it? Well, when it's really good, we're all celebrating, right? And when it's uh, really bad, we're all not celebrating. So I think EBITDA, I know it's earnings before interest, depreciation and all that. No, it's really everybody in town drinks a lot. that's good right a really good EBITDA you're celebrating bad EBITDA if it's a good EBITDA you're drinking if it's a bad EBITDA you're drinking drinking. (laughs) everybody in town is drinking Um, I had I had something funny to say with Mark and we were were, I was sitting on a a porch with him this will be my last Mark reference but I said wouldn't it be cool if someone took their marketing budget and did their Richard Evangelista model and said hey I spend 5% I'm committed to 5% marketing or 8% or 3%. But if we can reach X amount of patients, which maximizes our practice by right. all organic, your leads, your touch, your raving, whatever, I will take that 5%, put it in a bucket. And as long as we hit that metric every month, it's yours to distribute. Meaning it's, it's yours. Uh, to, to the to team or to the patients? What? To the team or the patients? No, not to the patients, to the team. Because well, the that, well don't laugh, guys. That's Zappos delivering happiness. Zappos had no marketing budget; they gave it back to the consumer. With no, they spent it in shipping. Oh, what? But yeah, you would sign up for five day shipping for two dollars, and they'd upgrade you to overnight for free. No, no, no. Their whole thing. Well, their whole that thing was, was historically what they were. They didn't advertise and had budget. Starbucks did the same thing. Starbucks didn't advertise until yeah, but their but their thing ago. that they stood on was return shipping both ways and everyone thought they would go bankrupt right also a 365 day return policy so yeah yeah that dress too. you know and five starbucks times only starbucks only advertised by having the best location and the most visible signs mm-hmm. right that so listen under your uh, under your definition of, of marketing is For like sure. you know if your your buckhead office and my office on a street with 40,000 cars on it. That's advertising. When I decided sure. to build, and that should be I, put it in that that's the best form of advertising, right? Yeah. Because talk when about I, the touch points. Yeah. I looked at doing a billboard like five years ago, it was something like 11,000 a month on my street. So I'm like, <laughs> look, if I build my building there, right. I'm not paying for that $11,000 billboard. That's or I mortgage. can just build a much bigger building now because I'm getting a free billboard. Yeah, exactly. That's what it is. <laughs> Which you did. You did. You took that advice yeah. and stride, didn't you, pal? I, I, yeah. Oh. You know, Peter, um, going Working. back, I love, I love the massive internal referral, word of mouth, organic growth. I love that. Um, and the old advertising cliche was half my patients should come from referral, half should come from advertising. I don't truly believe in that because if they're half and half and you only have two new patients, it still isn't working. But right. I, would, I would say that um, 
let's say that you really love doing veneers and smile designs. If the referral activity isn't driving in more of that, then that's where the advertising. So the last thing you want to do is go golfing with your buddy. And he says, Hey, Peter, check out my new smile. Right. And you go, who did that? And you're like, so down there, we're like, dude, why didn't you let me do? Oh, I didn't know you did veneers. <laughs> right. You know, That's happened. You're totally right. That's yeah, happened. So. There's a big element in the community about branding and letting people outside your circle of influence know what you do. Yeah. No, I'll cool. tell you what, the most, the most compelling thing, and I know you love Gary Vee, my favorite Gary Vee quote is the cheapest marketing of all is to care. And although we're stuck in the granular of what service offering do we do, there's nothing that moves the needle on the who gives a crap meter as you really caring about somebody. I think that's a move that's, that's happened over the last couple of years where it used to be about what you do and now it's more about why you do it. Yes. Mm-hmm. And I Craig, love that, Greg. That was, that's beautiful. I totally, totally agree. Do you think that gets down to um, how well you as a leader help grow your team and create? Ab- absolutely, I yeah. Like it's all that. There, right? They can't give it to the patients if they're not feeling it from the leadership of the office right but like nothing like the there's like kate's cookies or these all these brands that are not about what they do it's not about the cookie it's about the story behind the cookie or like tom's you know tom's uh shoes the shoes suck the shoes i mean they they wear out it's about why you buy one you give one that's really cool so if we look at the old adage of marketing it'd be like our shoes are constructed from the finest materials and they're blah 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 blah. now it's about like hey buy a pair of shoes and i'll give some kid in uganda a pair of shoes so it's not even about the shoes that's what i'm saying i know we have to tell people yes i do invisalign and cosmetics and blah 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 blah. but But we also have to tell them why we do what we do it's a very it's a very different world you're looking like simon sinek right now you're i'm seeing a lot of simon in you like it. Really? Because he's, he's your he's your Gary V. Yeah, no, I do like Simon a lot. I know you do. It's we just, saw him in we saw him in Vegas, Vicky, and, and you you would have thought you would have thought I don't know Michael Jackson had just come back. From, well, <laughs> yeah, I would I would take that. But you know, yeah, Craig was Craig was giddy, Craig was giddy schoolgirlish. Like, can I can you take my picture? Can you take yeah. it? He stood up on his tippy toes for that picture. Remember that? <laughs> he did for sure. He was, like, would, he was literally, hey, I'm six foot five. Guy. He was up to here on me. I do. I do too. <laughs> With you. <laughs> I think what you're identifying, Craig, though, is like there's global trends in the world. You know, in the 1900, we were the industrial revolution. And in the 1950s, it was the age of advertising, madmen, that sort of thing. Then we got into the information age when the internet came out. Then we, we clearly, which dentistry was thriving, right? So we had this materials, cosmetic evolution at the time when people really wanted information. And dentists were engineers and nerds, so we gave them information. But now we're in the age of relationship. And mm. so if everything... Experience, do, experience a relationship. Experience yeah. a relationship. And, and we say that all the time. If, you're not, if your productivity is down, you, di- you go deeper in your relationships. We're not yep. worried about the numbers at that point. We're worried about... How were we being with people? You know, did we tell them everything they needed to know or we, were we just too rushed and said, and do that crown and forget about the rest? You know, are you being comprehensive? Are you being an advisor? Are you connecting? 
They're really always and, and the, consu- the consumers have changed so much as well. I mean, when Starbucks came around, all you know, the average cup of coffee was thirty-five cents. It was served yes. in a place where, like Seinfeld went, that little cat coffee shop. Yes. And I mean, everything is different now. The experience is so valuable. JetBlue and Virgin Virgin America, and I mean. It's just people are treated so differently now and patients are coming yeah. to the dentist expecting to be treated differently. The same. There's yeah. not, there's yeah. not, well, differently in the same way, you know, they're, they're expected to have just a certain experience. It's not enough to provide them with what they wanted. I do amazing cosmetic dentistry and I came and I got amazing cosmetic dentistry. No, they want the receptionist to know their name and the fact that the doctor called them and they, they want all that now. If you give them what you told them you were going to do, you're going to fail. You have right. to give them something more than they thought they were going to get. So it's very, it's very difficult time now. Yeah. That's okay. exciting. It's exciting. Yeah, it's true. Vicki, I want to be respectful of your time because we were, I said we, we do about a half hour podcast, but because we had such good dialogue, we are now at about an hour. So I don't want to keep you past your time. Are you, are you in Hawaii right now? Uh, nope. I'm in Anacortes in the Pacific. But, you're, but you live in Hawaii, right? Um, yeah. From January through May. I'm in uh, Hawaii. And then uh, two months out of the year, I'm in my RV visiting friends all over the country. We're going to the Albuquerque Balloon Festival in October. And uh, I'm always up here uh, pulling Dungeness crab out of the water in Anacortes. So anytime. Nice. Nice. uh, Living the dream. Well, you deserve it. You deserve it. Come uh, to the San Juan's. You you honestly, like I said, you're a legend legend in in our field. And I appreciate all the impact and contribution you've had just speaking, speaking personally. So thank you. It's great seeing you both again. Yeah. Yeah, Vicky, awesome talking with you. Enjoy your vacation, pal. That, I or, will. Thanks or for a uh, new living room. I can't tell which one. No, I'm in the hotel actually oh, no. here. Kidding. So. But they escorted me out of the first area. That's why I had a pause. <laughs> because you were ta- because I was literally you were, kicked out. Because your dental it's, banter was distur- disruptive? No, there was no one around. It was a, oh, I think yeah. it was a fire hazard. I was a liability. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Good night, Vicky. Thanks again so much, and we'll we'll hope to see you soon. Bye, guys. Thank you. Thank you you both. Thanks for listening to the Bulletproof Dental Practice Podcast. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. Please rate and review us on iTunes or your favorite podcast source. Check out BulletproofDentalPractice.com for video interviews and text BULLETPROOF to 345-345 to stay connected to us for special announcements. Have a great day.